Well, that was atrocious. The Blue Jays lose 4-0 to the Seattle Mariners in game one of the wild card. We enter the game with a lot of hopes. We exit the game with, I don't know what the exact, the opposite of hope is, but that's pretty much where we're at right now. The Blue Jays can't get anything going. The story of this game is Luis Castillo, Bryson, Jacob. Dare I ask how you are? Well, I'll say this. They are very lucky that this thing is now a, a best of three because obviously if that was the old format, it'd be over. The circumstances of today's game just, I mean, for the from the first inning, it was doomed. We know what happened after basically Julio Rodriguez got hit. And from there, it just unraveled, unfortunately, in the first inning. And then the offense. I mean, Luis Castillo was brilliant. And that's pretty much what happened today. There was no hitting, and the Mariners got to the Jays early. And from there, they held on. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, this was the perfect scenario. You come home, you clinch the playoffs. Everything seemed to be working well for you. And then they just get completely dominated by Luis Castillo. And it, it's tough. He's throwing 100 all game. And then the relievers they bring in throw 100 for the last little bit of the game. And it... The first pitch, the first pitch that Alec Manoa threw was a strike. The crowd, it sounded as if it was Jordan Romano ending the game with a strike. And then the last, you know, the last few pitches of the game, it just, it, it sounded as if it was a spring training game. So the crowd, unfortunately, was just knocked right out of it. And it, all I can say is thank God, like you just said, thank God that there's a game tomorrow and they're guaranteed at least one more chance to, to come back and win the series. And you certainly can't blame it on the fans who were there because there was nothing to cheer for. Uh, we talked about Castillo. He dominated from the first pitch. And I think probably the most frustrating part of the game for me was that, yeah, he dominated, but the Blue Jays did have opportunities throughout. They had, seems like every few innings, guys on first and second all the time with two outs. It's always a two-out rally. And then after getting guys on first and second, they managed to strike out or ground out or pop out or work their way out of it somehow miraculously. Um, I guess my question to you guys, do you blame this more on the Blue Jays' offense? Do you blame it on the bats for not adjusting? You know, Vladdy goes 0 for 4, Bo Bichette doesn't have a great night, George Springer doesn't really do much besides being hit by a pitch. Do you blame it on those guys? Do you blame it on the offense? Or is it more on the fact that the Mariners just outpitched him? Malik Manoa didn't have the greatest of days at the ballpark, and Luis Castillo comes out, Jacob, you just mentioned, throwing 99. And then Munoz, uh, or is that his Munoz, name? Yeah. Munoz, yeah, out of the bullpen, 103. I mean, that's, <laughs> like, how much can you do against that? So how much do you blame the Blue Jays? How much do you pin this on the Mariners pitching? It's tough because they obviously just were dominated by the Mariners pitching staff. But at the same time, the Blue Jays had their opportunities. You know, They had six hits. I think, was it seven they left on base or was it six? Something like that. I think it was seven because it was they had more left on base than the Mariners even scored, and it's it's one where like I understand facing good pitching, and you know you're you're in the playoffs, you're gonna face the best teams, but at the same time they had a lot of hard contact. There were many opportunities. Bichette had I think two two separate innings where there were a couple men on for him, and he wasn't able to do anything with it. Guerrero the same thing. You know this it's not. It's not so much to say that the pitching was great. It, it was, well, it was, but there was also the combination of the offense just not getting it done. And at the end of the day, you're going to face good pitching all throughout the playoffs. And realistically, they f- had okay pitching, I think, from Alec Manoa. Like, yeah, that three-run first inning was atrocious. It wasn't very good. I think he was mm-hmm. a little bit jittery, but it wasn't one where it was a terrible outing. Like, 
IDKS four earned runs over five and I think a third is not ideal. It's not great, but he settled in. He gave his team a chance to win or at least to to come back. But the offense just was not able to get anything done. And I think that at least the key thing here, Robbie Ray and maybe George Kirby in game three, if it gets to a game three, I think it's fair to say that those are a step down from Luis Castillo. So unfortunately, you are now facing elimination for at least one, if not two more games. But I think it's fair to say that they have a better chance against these next two pitchers. And they have good pitchers too. Like Alec Manoa had a fantastic season. He's their ace of, of the staff. But Kevin Gosman and Ross Stripling, I think, are comparable in terms of who you'd want to put out in your in, in any type of do-or-die situation. And it's now the bats are going to need to wake up because you got good defense. Like, the defense wasn't bad by any means. The pitching, you know, it's they settled in and things eventually got better. But now you're at the, the position where if you do not wake up and you do not score some runs, you're done. And, you know, it, it, quick turnaround, 4 o'clock again tomorrow you need to score runs. You need to score runs early, and I think you need to get the crowd in it early. I mean, the thing is, the crowd was in it from from before the first pitch. I mean, they announced the lineups, then they announced the lineups again, had all the whole roster go out. Edwin Encarnacion came out through the first pitch. They were showing his highlights from 2015 and 16. The crowd was in it, but then it was, the life was just sucked out of them, and you're going to need to get them back in, and you're going to need to score a lot of runs tomorrow because I do think that they get a good outing out of Kevin Gosman and then... Or maybe Ross Stripling. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Gosman. But regardless, they're going to face good pitching. They're going to get good pitching. But you need to score enough runs to keep that crowd in it. And you're going to need to put the pressure on Seattle early. Because keep in mind, they haven't made the playoffs in over 20 years. You think that they want to win this series? Absolutely. And if you can put the pressure on them, I think they might feel it a little more than we're expecting. I mean, yeah, anything I feel like going forward will be a step down from Luis Castillo. That might have been one of the best pitching performances against the Jays all season, let alone obviously tonight. I mean, it's got to be a combination of both, going back to your question mark, just because obviously that was insane what Luis Castillo was doing. I mean, I was, you know, throughout the game, it was very easy to tell. Like, he was out of the count pretty much every single at-bat, just pounding the zone, throwing 100, and maybe only once or twice, maybe three times, the Jays were actually ahead in the count, it felt like, right off the first pitch. And, you know, you're putting yourself in a hole right away. Um, you know, we know that the Jays are aggressive. There wasn't much adjustments to that. Of course, that's something that they reverted to a lot in the second half, but it just wasn't working. I mean, besides the single from Springer and the single from Kirk, a lot of those hits that the Jays did get, a lot of them was weak contact. I mean, a lot was infield hits, a lot was kind of bloop singles, and there was no extra base hits basically until I believe it was the ninth inning when Matt Chapman hit that double. They just had nothing going for them offensively. It was a complete goose egg from them. Um, And then, of course, like I said right off the bat with Julio Rodriguez, I mean, you hit him once, and or sorry, you hit him twice in the game, and both times that you hit him, he comes around to score, and it just comes back to haunt you. And that's exactly what was the deciding factor in this game, and that's why, because of the way this game transpired, when that happened right away in the first inning, that let alone could have been the factor to why the Jays lost, and that probably was one of the factors why they lost, because besides that, you know, as much as Alec Manoa wasn't stellar from what we saw throughout the year, and of course, we know how good he is. We know him dominating this rotation from left, right, and center. He had to have some of the jitters. I think no, no matter what he said before the game, that just something you can't avoid. And then, of course, right after that first inning was basically the, the deciding factor factor of the game. And I was talking to you guys earlier when we were walking over here. It just, the crowd was taken out of it right away, like you guys were saying. Uh, I was mentioning we were sitting kind of close to right center field, and Julio Rodriguez was just having fun with the crowd all night. Like, you can't be having that uh, in a playoff game, and let alone, it's just, you know, it takes the entire home field advantage aspect away, and it's nothing against Jays fans. It's just that 
they had really nothing to cheer for right away. I mean, everything was kind of, it seemed like everything was going fine before the game. Jacob, you were mentioning everything that was happening. And then after that, it's just after that first inning, you know, the crowd was getting into it at times because the Jays had opportunities. They did early on. And then after that, as the innings kind of went on each time, and then, of course, the Mariners added a couple insurance runs, from there it just continued to uh, die down. And from there it just it wasn't uh, much of a game. So you said it tomorrow about the preview. It's going to be Kevin Gosman, which we assumed, um, I guess, no matter what. But, of course, there was always the chance that they could have saved him if they won tonight. He's going to go up against Robbie Ray. And, again, you have another opportunity to get back at this tomorrow. And you got the, you know, at this point, we all know what happens. It's a do or die. Your your season's on the line officially now. You got to get to Robbie Ray, no matter how good or bad he can be, because he's been up and down this year. But there's been really, there's been times where he's looked really good. And, and of course, that start in Seattle against the Jays back in July, he did really well over six innings. I believe that's what it was. So you have no choice but to get to him. Kevin Gosman's got no choice but to show up. And the Jays got to clean up basically I guess what happened with the pitching in terms of allowing base runners on because the little mistakes like that will come back to haunt you and of course the offense you, you got to get on you not only do you have to get on base you got to bring these runs in we see guys getting on base we see the team getting a lot of hits but like I said there was no extra base hits till the ninth inning you got to have more solid contact and of course it's going to help because Luis Castillo again it's going to be hard for Robbie Ray to match that no matter how good he is tomorrow that was insane from what we saw from him today so you got to be optimistic about that a little bit they got to respond because putting up a goose egg in your first playoff game, it's not its not good at all. And, of course, now your season's officially on life support. Jeez. <laughs> that sucks to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to blame this on Alec Manoa because I think yeah, no. he wasn't sharp, but at the same time, you could see after the first inning jitters kind of got out of the way, he basically locked it down for the rest of the game. But... Like you say, when you give up three runs in the first inning, it takes the fans out of it instantly. So I'm wondering how much of a factor that was. And I think it probably was a big factor because we come into this game, the Blue Jays are promoting the hashtag Toronto Loud. Everyone knows what this stadium was in 2015 and 2016. And obviously, they're promoting it themselves with having Edwin throw at the first pitch, which, sidebar, is probably the best thing that happened tonight. (laughs) But... Then you come out, the Mariners score three runs, and the fans aren't in it for the rest of the game. So I know there were like a few moments where I think the fans really got into it. You have like the the Chapman bloop single into yeah. center field where I think people got excited. You have a couple different situations I mentioned where you got runners on first and second and people are getting excited. But besides that, there was really not much to cheer for, and the crowd was pretty dead the whole time. So I think that's something to keep an eye on for tomorrow. In terms of who to blame, whether it is Luis Castillo for pitching a phenomenal game in the Blue Jays' offense, I think, and maybe it's just heat of the moment frustration, but I blame it more on the Blue Jays' offense than anything else. In the postseason, you're going to run into these guys. Like, the postseason is no longer playing games against the Baltimore Orioles and the Oakland Athletics and the Boston Red Sox. Like, you're going to be facing guys like Luis Castillo, who are among the best pitchers in the American League, among the best pitchers in baseball, and you got to get to them. There's just no excuses at that point. There's no alternatives except for getting to them, no matter how good they are, or else your postseason run is going to be incredibly short. So that's why I put this on the Jays. No matter how good Luis Castillo is, no matter how fast his fastball is, no matter how much his pitches break, there's just no excuses when you're in the postseason. You have to get to ace pitchers, or you have to have an ace on your side who's putting up numbers that are incredible. So that's why I blame it more on the Blue Jays' offense. And again, it might be heat of the moment frustration because that was a terrible game to watch. It was three hours of hell from our perspective (laughs) as Blue Jay fans, and you just got to hope tomorrow goes better. Um 
one moment I want to single out that I was, I guess, originally hopeful about and then instantly disappointed by was when George Springer was hit by a pitch in the eighth inning. And it seemed like, like we're talking about, the entire game there was no energy in the ballpark. It was dead. It could have been a spring training game for all we care about or a, a you know, a, a single ticket doubleheader against the Orioles in the middle of June. Like, there was no energy. <laughs> I just hate the Orioles, man. But then you have George Springer and he gets hit by a pitch and fans are booing the pitcher. I think it was... Uh, Munoz? Is that what Munoz, we decided his yeah. name? Munoz? Oh, no, Castillo think, hit Springer. Was it yeah, Castillo? Yeah, okay. It was. It was uh, yeah, and I, it seemed like that was a moment where the Blue Jays could have come back, where it was kind of a rattle the cage situation where the Blue Jays are dead, but you do something to awaken them, and all of a sudden the Blue Jays come alive. We've seen this earlier this year. I go back to the start that Garrett Cole had where he had a perfect game into the sixth inning, and then the Blue Jays all of a sudden somehow come alive. And obviously they don't end up winning that game, but – Point being, there are these moments where the Blue Jays suddenly turn things around when previously they were doing nothing. And I thought that could have been one of those moments because it got the fans back in, it got the players back in, it seemed like there was energy flowing, and then instantly, um, you know, nothing comes of it. So that was a little bit of a disappointment on my side in terms of that moment. I'm interested in hearing uh, what you guys made of that moment and if there's any other points in the game that stood out to you. Well, I think that moment, or the moment after that where they had runners on, they had the opportunity, is just indicative of how the whole game went. Because, yeah, they were dominated by Luis Castillo, but they were dominated in the sense that they had guys on. They were constantly getting hits, relatively hard contact at times, and then they just didn't capitalize on it. And I think that's, to me, that's probably the biggest standout from this. Because, like, yeah, okay, you get a, a single from Kirk, you get a double from Chapman. Like, you have opportunities. I think it was Whit Merrifield... One somebody that I think it was with Merrifield who had the single where J.P. Crawford couldn't field it properly, wasn't able to throw it. Like, you had a few opportunities where you had men on. It looked like a rally was going to start, and then absolutely nothing came out of it. And quite literally nothing came out of it because they didn't score a single run. And I think that's just the, the biggest thing that you can take away from this is that the win was, was on the tip of the Blue Jays' fingertips, but they weren't able to grab it. And it's... It's a tough one because Alec Manoa, I think he did have the jitters in that first inning, and I don't really put this game on him. Like, yeah, okay, three innings or three runs in the first inning and then another run off of the almost double play. It's not ideal, but it's not something that where you can blame him and say that this is your fault. Like, the offense had the opportunities, and they just didn't capitalize on it, and that's the thing. Like, I don't think you can single out one situation or one play or one anything in this game. It's just the whole story of throughout the game, you had the opportunity to to take advantage of errors, to take advantage of misplays and everything, and they just didn't do it. I mean, yeah, I mean, first of all, I was really, you know, at first kind of worried about with George Springer, of course, the whole history of everything like that. He appeared to be fine. Uh, Mark, you said the x-rays were negative, which is good news. So that's just something now added to the list of something he's going to have to deal with uh, if the Jays can keep their season alive past this round. But, I mean, you know, it's hard for me to point out single moments because there were so many moments, like you said, Jacob, about offensive opportunities they did have. You know, despite Luis Castillo pitching the way he did, there were so many occasions where they could have gotten back in the game. There was an occasion where Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had an at-bat, you know, Bo Bichette had an at-bat, where it just obviously didn't result in anything. But there was just so many different times where they, they had runners on, and they had the chance to really, you know, get on the board, and they didn't, they didn't do that. So 
that's why it's hard for me to point out one single play because of the fact that we saw relatively the same thing kind of every inning uh, when something did work out for them to get on base. It just it wouldn't go anywhere. And it's just, you know, facing Luis Castillo, going to Munoz after a guy throws 100 and then you're upgrading to a guy that throws 103, it's a tough spot to be put in for sure. But, you know, for me, it's just overall, you know, it's hard to, you know, criticize their approach because of how good Castillo was, I think I'm just more disappointed that it just didn't feel like as maybe, but maybe they were trying. It just, it didn't look like there was a lot of adjustments going on. They kept sticking to the same thing and it wasn't working. And then, you know, slowly when it happened in the first inning, you know, originally you think to yourself, there's definitely a chance for them to get back in this game. But as the innings went on and the missed opportunities kept coming and coming around the fifth inning, the time began to have a factor. And that eventually kind of started ticking about the Jays just running off out of opportunities and running out of time and that's what happened it was just a slow death kind of what it felt like today and you know it's just everything that you could have expected out of a first playoff game since 2016 in this building it just everything that you could have expected went completely wrong for these guys and that's why again you're happy that it's a two-game series but you know you're curious about how they're going to respond tomorrow and they really have no choice but to because they don't we know that their season's going to be over and it's going to be a a disappointing series and it's going to be a choke job because of what happened tonight because you put up a goose egg tonight it can it can't get much worse than that but now you got to win the game and everything or most of the things have to go right you got to capitalize on your opportunities and you, you, you need a good start out of Kevin Gosman. You basically need the bull. But everything's got to show up tomorrow now for the rest of the series. And that's why you can definitely kind of pinpoint pressure. I hate to use that word because of the whole Alec Manoa thing. But there's a lot of pressure on these guys now. You can also make the argument there's going to be pressure on Seattle because they're going to have an opportunity to put them away tomorrow. You have to feel like if the Jays can win tomorrow, there's definitely going to be – Seattle's definitely going to be worrying about a game three on Sunday. So that's why if they can win tomorrow, you – they have a chance to get back in the series. They have to win tomorrow. And just to me, it feels like if they do get back in this tomorrow, you like where things stand going into a game three. You definitely do. So that's why I can see the pressure, again, sorry to use that word, for both sides because there is legitimately pressure, I think, as well in the Seattle Mariners tomorrow to put this thing to bed. Just before we get to tomorrow's game, I want to ask you about a couple pitching decisions that I found interesting. and. Jacob and I were sitting together. We were talking about it in the game, and a couple of people around us were talking about it. The decision to pull Alec Manoa with two outs in the sixth inning and go to Tim Meza. Alec Manoa had 79 pitches when he was removed from the game. I found that curious. I, I mean, ultimately it worked out for the Blue Jays, so there's not much you can pick on, but I'm not sure I agree with it. Yes, Meza comes in and is facing a stretch of three straight lefties, so that's kind of why it makes sense. But Alec Manoa has been pitching well. You pull him originally to face Jared Kelenic for Tim Mays to come in and face Jared Kelenic. Kelenic has not been good at all. So, and and Manoa had his number earlier in the game. He struck him out, and he also got another out against him. So I don't know if I agree with the decision to pull Alec Manoa at that point. At least let him finish the sixth inning. Again, obviously not a big decision or a big factor there. And then the other thing that I was questioning is the decision to pull Zach Pop okay, you pull him, whatever. Zach Pop is, I don't know how to describe him, but he's not a phenomenal reliever, right? He's a guy who's going to come he's in and give arm. you innings. Yeah, yeah, he's a decent arm and he's got some velocity, but he's not the greatest that the Blue Jays have in their bullpen. But they decided to go to Trevor Richards. 
and that's when the Mariners have a guy on third base. And I know at this point the Blue Jays are down 4-0. It's the later innings. They don't have the best chance of winning, but I just found it, I don't know if infuriating is the right word, but I, I just couldn't find a rationale to go to Trevor Richards instead of someone else in the bullpen. Even someone like Adam Simber. I know Simber's a contact guy. Maybe that's not the type of guy you want to come in with a guy on third base. But I think Simber's a better pitcher than Trevor Richards, and in most situations that would be a better choice. Or, you know, I know Jimmy Garcia pitched earlier in the game, so he's not available, but if you want to go to Anthony Bass, if you want to go to some of these other high-leverage guys, again, you don't want to burn them out so they're available in a hypothetical Game 3. But at this point, everything's on deck. You know, if you don't win this game, if you don't win next game, there's going to be no Game 3, no back-to-back-to-back to use a reliever in in the first place. So... I disagreed with the decision to go with Trevor Richards there. Did it backfire on the Blue Jays? No, Trevor Richards got out of it and ended up having a pretty solid outing. I just don't think that that was the greatest decision. So I'm curious, as a last question to you guys, what your thoughts on those two pitching decisions were, and more broadly, the pitching management overall by John Schneider and the Blue Jays. Yeah, I wasn't really sure why Trevor Richards, of all people, was brought in. Like, It's just, it's, it's tough, because on one hand, you're trying to win this game, but I'm sure John Schneider's thinking, okay, yeah, like, what are we doing here? Like, most likely the bats are not waking up here. But I don't I don't necessarily hate the fact that Trevor Richards was brought in, or, or at least that somebody else was brought in in that situation. But I'm more concerned about why was Manoa not let not allowed to finish that inning because it was one hitter. And, I mean, Tim Meza came in through one pitch. Now, yeah, is there a guarantee Manoa would have done that? No, but he had the pitching – he had the room in his – I think in in the tank. He had enough gas left in the tank to do that. But the big move that I don't agree with whatsoever was bringing Adam Simber into the game just at all. And I know this might be disagreed upon by some people, but I think you save him for tomorrow or a game three. Because if he pitches tomorrow, maybe, maybe they don't use him. But I think you want to save him for the situations where he is best fit when the Blue Jays have a lead and they want to protect it. It's... It's, it's a tough situation because you want to keep him ready, but at the same time, you also don't want to throw away the game and just throw out Trevor Richards for the whole thing, but it's tough. Like, the last thing you, you plan for, and I know the Blue Jays said they planned for even a 20-inning game, which is why you say Kikuchi was left in the playoff roster or left on the playoff roster, but I do, it's tough. Like you, Ideally, you score runs, and ideally, the, the bullpen is able to come in and protect it, but yeah, it let's just hope that this situation doesn't happen tomorrow because there were a lot of questionable calls where guys maybe shouldn't have been put in or other guys I think could have been put in in certain situations. Uh, I disagree a lot with you, Jacob. I think anytime you're using the word save someone for the next day in a postseason series, that should instantly be a red flag. And I think it is. You're, this isn't like the regular season where you have the luxury of deferring a win one day for taking it the next day and using reliever the next day. This is a three-game series where if you lose tomorrow, your season is over. So even if the Blue Jays' odds of winning this game were incredibly low when you're down 4-0 in the top of the ninth, you don't want the Mariners to score again because that almost guarantees that you're not coming back and you're not winning that game. And we saw it even bottom to half of the inning. Like, there was a possibility the Blue Jays come back there. Yeah, it was a match happen double, and yeah, it was, you know, with two outs, so the odds are slim. But point being... You should never save someone for the next day in a three-game do-or-die postseason series. So I got to disagree with you there. Uh, just backtracking on what I said on uh, Alec Mano and Tim Meza, I think thinking it over a little bit, it makes a little bit more sense because there was a 
uh, a pocket of three lefty hitters. And if you have Manoa finish the sixth inning and bring in Meza for the start of the seventh to face the two lefties, then you have to leave him in for the third batter, which is a righty. And maybe that's not the ideal matchup. So thinking through it, I think it makes a bit more sense. And it's a playoff, so you don't want to risk your pitchers going too deep. So I take back what I said about that situation. But the whole Trevor Richards thing, very much still agree with. Bryson, I'm interested in your thoughts on all this. Yeah, like, I was going to say, when Manoa was pulled for Mesa, it didn't really get my head scratching too much. So I'm kind of on your new side now, Mark. I don't really, like, I, it didn't bother me. Like, I, I understood why. Um, again, it felt like Manoa, he was battling, obviously, with jitters, and he just had that bad first inning. He wasn't the greatest, but he also wasn't the reason for the loss. Or, you know, he was. I didn't think he pitched that bad. So, but, again, at the same time, he wasn't lights out. There was a lot going on with him. Perhaps they wanted to pull him a little bit earlier than perhaps a regular start in July would have lasted him because if that's July, he's likely pitching through it and getting out of the inning. So for me, I understood the move. The Richards move definitely had me wondering a bit, yes. Um, so I guess I'll I'll put myself maybe in the middle of that. I didn't completely disagree with it but at the same time I didn't like it either like I'm just you know you see him coming on and we know that Trevor Richards just this year has been he, he's been up and down and he hasn't really been I guess since the second half one of those guys late in the games so that's kind of why I didn't really love it but at the same time I kind of saw what, what they were doing with that. And with your Simber thing, Jacob, yeah, like, I'm, I'm with Mar. I completely disagree with that. Like, you can't play to for the next day or anything like that. You can see how much things can change. you you got to throw out your best guys. And you saw, for example, you saw today with the, the Phillies and the Cardinals. Look what happened in the ninth inning when they put up six runs. It just, I don't like the idea of saving it for the next day because you don't really want to show your team that, that you're, you're holding off on your good guys and you're saving it for the next day. So... That one, yeah, I definitely uh, disagree with that one. But at the same time, going back to your question mark, um, the Mesa thing didn't really bother me at all. And then the Richards thing definitely had my head scratching a little bit, but luckily he got out of the inning. So we'll see what happens tomorrow, though. I mean, now, again, I've, we've said it so many times, your season is literally on the line. We're going to see it's going to – John Schneider, if the Jays are in this game and it's a competitive game – He's going to have to get very creative, and there's going to be a, have some tough decisions to make. And the question I have for you guys is, assuming that Ross Stripling is your Game 3 starter, do you guys think we see Jose Barrios at any point tomorrow to the bullpen? I think it's a loaded question. It exactly. depends <laughs> on the situation that you're in. I think... Oh, jeez. It's a tough one. I mean... No, I don't think you do. Maybe Game 3? Maybe Game 3, okay. depending how it... If it is Stripling. No, even then, no. Really? No, nothing. Your season's on the line. Yeah. And I assume, okay, so if you're getting blown out, maybe. Or the other way around, yeah. But I think even if you're blowing a team out, I don't think you use Perios because okay. your season's on the line. And the like I said, like the same thing with Simber, like the small chance that the Mariners come back is still a, a very real possibility. And when your season's on the line, when if you lose this game, it's season over, you don't want to risk that at all. So I still think you use if not like super high leverage guys, if not like Bass and Romano and those sorts of guys, I still think you use maybe someone like Simber, maybe Trevor Richards maybe would be a perfect fit for that situation because he can go multiple innings, but he's not a super high leverage guy and not like a low end guy. I would be a little bit freaked out by using Jose Brios in any situation. Um, We'll get your thoughts on that, Jacob, as well as if we go around 
your prognosis for the rest of the series, what it's looking like, how optimistic you are that the Blue Jays can still win this, and finally, I guess we can wrap it up with a, do we want to do like a score prediction for tomorrow? <laughs> oh, like, uh, it's, it's hard to read uh, after. Today, I don't know. Sure. Well, let's try it. We'll do a score prediction for tomorrow, so we'll go around with yeah. that. Well, to start with that Brios thing, that man is not touching a single baseball in this series. Your One season, your season <laughs> is on the line. He can pitch in the next series if they get to it, but no, that, that that's not happening. Um, as for score predictions, oh man, I don't. That's tough. It's, it's a tough t- question. I, I mean, I assume they wouldn't get shut out. I mean, I'm, I don't even think they've been shut out many times. And this well, we're getting shut out tonight. I know that's the thing. So, I they had a lot of guys on base this game. They had a, not a ton of hits, but. The, they didn't score, but they had opportunities. I wouldn't be surprised if they score three to five runs tomorrow. I would say, I'll say four. Just okay. And the Mariners? I would. I'll say they win four to three. I think it'll be yeah. a tough. It'll the be Jays a very win close. Or the Mariners win? Blue Jays win four okay. to three. I was going to say four to three. <laughs> I'll. Uh... <laughs> this is tough because <laughs> tonight is really draining. It is. It, it gets you a little worried, but you got to think like. They caught fire the second half of the year. They caught fire in September. They were hitting the ball really well. Like, are they too good of a team to really put up that performance again tomorrow offensively? I mean, I'm not. I'm going to root against that because they have no choice. They got to show up tomorrow. I don't know how many times I have to say it. It's just a fact that they do. They got to get to Robbie Ray. Gosman's got to do well. Everything's got to go to plan tomorrow. I'll say, and if again, if the Jays win tomorrow, I really like a chance and their chances for a game three. They gotta win tomorrow, so that's why going back to what I said earlier, there's got to be pressure on the Mariners just as much as the Jays. I'll say, I'll say five three. I'll say they get a couple, uh, a couple of insurance runs. It's gonna be close. The Mariners showed tonight that they're they're in this for real. They're it's gonna be definitely back and forth. I feel like, um, I think as much as Robbie Ray pitched well against the Jays back in July, I think they're going to be able to get to him a little bit tomorrow and hopefully they can get to that bullpen as long as they're not throwing out Munoz after Castillo again. But of course, Ray doesn't throw close to a hundred. He does throw pretty fast, but I mean, tonight was just on a different level, but I'll say five through the Jays can win tomorrow. Well, it seems like we're all in the same ballpark. I was going to go four and three, but now Jacob's taking that. So I'll go, I'll go three, two Jays. Um, to be honest, you know, rationale is basically the same as all of you guys, but to be honest, I'm not optimistic at all that the Blue Jays are going to win this series. Wow. I think I think game one is a huge determinant in... Wow. Like, you think, if, even if it was 50-50, the next two games for who wins, you flip a coin, Anybody. that means the Blue Jays have to win both of them, yeah. which is, if my math is serving me correctly, is 25% chance. The Mariners have to win one of them. And if it's 50-50 of time, that's a 100% chance, right? Am I doing my math right? I think you're on the right track. I don't know. Somewhere yeah, around there. But you, really you know what I mean, right? So, I and I know it's like it's not certain that it works out that way because you're flipping a coin. But point being, the Mariners, I think, have a much better shot. So, in terms of my optimism about the Blue Jays winning this series, even though I'm predicting a win tomorrow, I'd say maybe, geez, I don't know, 30% chance? Wow. Maybe lower? I Tonight was really rough. So... Okay, that's the actual final question. Percentage chance that the Blue Jays win this series? I'm, I'm, I'm really low on them right now. I'd go around thirty percent. I'm gonna give it fifty percent. Like wow. it's, it's. That's optimistic. I wouldn't. That was my number. Today was not a good game at all, but I wouldn't count them out. I think that there's still a lot left in the tank. And look at it. Like 
look at the 2015 division series. They were down 2 nothing. They go on the road, win two straight, come back. That was win. the first time that ever happened in history, though. Want to make it the second? No. And, but, yeah, it's – I wouldn't count them out. I, what happened, what we just saw was not great, but I would not count them out. I would say 50% chance that they win this series. And if they win tomorrow – well, I'm saying 50% now, but if, if they win tomorrow, depending on how the game goes – my opinion could be completely changed. I think it could be a lot higher. I'll I'll, I'll side differently, and I mean I have to at this point. I, I predicted a sweep, so I have to be the most optimistic one. I'll go fifty fifty. They win tomorrow. I'll say their chances on a game three will go sixty forty. I have to be the optimistic one, and I I truly believe though if they can get tomorrow done, I I really like where they sit on Sunday. But tomorrow's gonna be the toughest game. I think. I mean, yeah. it definitely will be, and it's gonna be really decide. It's gonna decide their season. Yeah, I think you're right. One final thing. I think you're right that. If the Blue Jays win tomorrow, right now all the momentum is in Seattle's corner. They are in great position to win this series. But if the Blue Jays win tomorrow, I think it all of a sudden shifts all the way to the other side. So it's interesting. You know, we've never really seen a three-game series with the exception of 2020 before. So we're kind of in new territory. We don't really know how this will shake up. But... I think if the Blue Jays win tomorrow, they have really good odds of winning the series. If they lose tomorrow, they obviously lose the series. So I think that's where we're at right now. So tomorrow will be interesting. Kevin Gosman, Robbie Ray, 4.07 p.m. Yeah, it's the guy that the Blue Jays were pursuing and the guy that the Blue Jays signed. It was the two guys they were deciding between when they were offering that five-year, $110 million deal, the vaccine stuff, whatever. We're going to talk about that now. But, uh, okay, on to the next one. We will be back tomorrow with uh, either more depressed or elated about the result. We'll see. But as always, you can support our podcast by going to our Patreon, patreon.com slash section138pod. You can find us on social media at section138pod, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You can give us a rating and review wherever you find your podcasts. And we'll talk to you tomorrow night after game two of this hopefully three-game series. (laughs) 